Hi, I'm Beth Guckenberger, and welcome to the Punch First Podcast. You know, Beth, I was thinking about uh, something that's a little bit like close to home when it comes to kind of dealing with the enemy and attack. And about a, couple, about a year and a half ago, our insurance company called us and said, after, really? You're going to tell this story 30 years, to all these people? After 30 years, where they canceled on us. They said, we can no longer, in good faith, cover you. And I said, can you just give me some reasons why? And they said, well... Could, it, because you wanted is, to know if it had to do with our four teenage sons. Yeah, I figured every, they've all had series of fender benders, but they said, well, could you just maybe give some reference or maybe we could petition to explain why your wife has had so many speeding tickets. <laughs> so it was all about me. <laughs> yes, it was definitely... Well, is maybe this a, a chapter about about generational sin? No, what is this I'm, chapter about? This is, this, is about, this is about us taking every thought captive. And, oh, okay. You know, Pursuing other forms of insurance. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. on this day, day 12, we were going to talk a little bit about how the enemy likes to mess with our body and he likes to ruin our identity. And, you know, I think about um, th- this chapter talks a lot about something called the orphan spirit. And I don't, I certainly knew about orphans. We've been working with orphans for over 25 years. But the idea of a spiritual orphan or someone who would identify spiritually as an orphan, that was a new thought with me. One day, I, you know, sometimes I have dreams where I believe God talks to me, and I woke up one morning and told you that I thought I had had a prophetic dream, and in that dream, I was building a bridge across a river, and I felt like I didn't have enough material for it, and I said to you, what do you think this dream means? And we were in the process of adopting our then 12-year-old son, and that was kind of a daunting case and a daunting story, and you said, well, maybe you think we don't have what it takes to finish it, and I said, that makes a lot of sense. And then I left that day, um, flew to Atlanta to speak at a conference. And I love, I love what I do. I love speaking in front of people. The hardest part for me, this is not true for all speakers that you interact with, or if you are a speaker, this might not be true for you. But for me, the hardest part is immediately following a message. When people come forward to have a conversation with you, just knowing how long to talk to someone, which people to talk to, how to give the right attention to the divine assignments that God has for you, that that part, I don't have a ton of discernment. That part can be hard for me. And so I was so grateful when after I finished at this conference and I was milling around talking to people who were in attendance, this lady comes beelining up the middle of it. And she's like, hey, Beth, Beth, I have something I have to tell you. And I said, okay. And she said, I had this vision while you were speaking and you were building a bridge across the river and you didn't have enough materials to complete it. And I said, oh my gosh, who are you? Like God just set us up on a blind date. Like I had that dream last night. And she went on to tell me who she was. Her name was Dr. Susan Hillis. She worked in the Center for Disease Control and specifically has been working in orphan care for a really long time. And throughout the rest of that afternoon and early evening as we fellowship together, she talked to me quite a bit about this idea of an orphan spirit. Really the first person to kind of unpack that concept for me. And she was saying that there are, two billion children in the world and we know that half of them are a billion children have experienced trauma but you don't have to have necessarily experienced overt trauma to have an orphan spirit it's really anybody who who thinks they have to earn god's love instead of understanding they've been gifted that automatically as the right as a child and once i got my head and heart all the way wrapped around that idea i was on a rampage to make sure that i didn't live as an orphan spirit and that I could do everything in my power to help people enter into the adoption as God's kid 
and not working in a way where they were looking in the window, hoping that they had the right to be inside the house. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I love that. I think, um, I was, we have, we talk often about belief systems where we have a belief system. I was kind of raised with a belief system that you have to earn it. Mm-hmm. Nothing's free. And, and in some things, some of those, some of those beliefs are okay. It is, you know, it is good to work, work and be rewarded. And, but at the same time to freely step into God's grace fully and to understand that you are a son or a daughter of God is it's a, there's, it's a, it's a, it's a deep sense of even being overwhelmed, I think, in, yeah. in my, in my, in my opinion. And I, and as a parent, I mean, you just think about it for your children, there's nothing, nothing they could do, nothing that, that, that they could even say that would prevent you from loving them. And, and, or even, and, and we're human. So if God, and God is God, I mean, how, how much more will he love us? And does he love us? Yeah, I was at a retreat one time leading something called Lectio Divina. And if that's unfamiliar to you, it's just a, it's an ancient practice for, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years where, where you read, it's Latin for the divine reading. So you read a passage of scripture and then you ask God to speak to you through it. So maybe it would be in a word, maybe it's a word picture, all kinds of ways in which it happens. But I was leading this group of people in a Lectio Divina and I asked them to put a a canvas in their brain and as I read these words out of I think it was Isaiah 41 I said I want you to let God paint a picture in your mind and then tell us what what you saw and this woman said I I felt like I was a little kid in my picture and my face was pressed against the window and I was looking into a candy shop and everyone was inside sampling the candies but I wasn't allowed in the shop and what she was really saying, even though she didn't know she was saying it, is, I don't think I belong in the shop. I don't think I deserve to be in the shop. Everybody else gets to taste sweetness and goodness, and I don't know how to do it. And we stopped everything we were doing in that moment and talked about the orphan spirit. And we prayed that she would understand her adoption into God's family. And I think I think about that picture that God allowed her to see, a reflection of her own spiritual state all the time when I think... It, Am I? Do I remember right now in this moment? I'm allowed in the candy shop. That I'm allowed to taste the sweetness and goodness of God. It's not because of anything I have ever done to earn that right. Only because He picked me. And you and I talk a lot about that identity, that that pick me, that that spirit wear idea. Yeah, and I, and I think that um, in the specifically in the spirit wear, like at being parents of adopted kids, you know, or of athletes, you know, their schools provide. Spirit wear, which we, you know, it's their local team and then their names on the back of their shoulders. And in, in our case, it's Guckenberger. And, and we're constantly reminding our kids, hey, you're Guckenberger. This mm-hmm. is, you're representing us. This is, you're, you're forward facing us. And, and our adopted kids, hey, you're Guckenberger. Mm-hmm. Know who you are. Know where your family. And I think that's what God wants for us is we are adopted. We are his. We are part of the kingdom of God. That's what our spirit wear says. And that grace is sufficient for you and for us. And so, I love a. Uh, there's this this thing I I've said for a long time. I I, I love not kicking people while they're down. Mm-hmm. I think when when people struggle, I think sometimes they think they're they've been removed from the kingdom of God in some way. But but I think if if people are repentant and want to con- to continue a relationship with God, get alongside of them, love them, pull them, pull them into that metaphorical kingdom and and or real kingdom, but 
metaphorical pull. And so I, I think it's I think it's an important part of our roles as Christ followers in the kingdom. Yeah, I mean, makes me think about that story when we have an adopted son that we adopted as an infant. And when he was a high school student, one day he woke up and told me that he wasn't feeling very good. And like mom of the year, I told him to go to school. He'd be just fine. And an hour later, the school called to tell me that he was doubled over in pain. And by the time I got to the school to pick him up, I realized we needed to go right to the ER. There at the ER, they immediately identified it was his appendix, told me he was going to need to have surgery later that day. They gave him some medication and then gave me some forms to fill out. And while he was resting with the medication they had given him and I was filling out this clipboard full of items, he finally sits up in his in his bed and his gurney and he just starts yelling at the top of his lungs which in an emergency room brings all the medical professionals to you and they identified right away that his appendix had just ruptured and they told me we're gonna you know we were gonna do surgery later in the day but we're gonna actually need to do it right now and we started rolling down they told me that he had a very limited amount of time before those toxins did real damage to him and so I was like okay well I haven't felt out all the forms yet and like what do you what is it that you need to know and the doctor was like just tell me the medical history i'm like okay i don't i don't do very well with anesthesia and his maternal grandfather died of cancer and his paternal grandfather has car, heart issues and i'm rattling everything off and then evan sits up in bed and he's like hey mom remember I, i'm adopted i was like oh you're right that's all my medical history i know nothing about him just take good care of him and the guy you know pulls away and in that moment because i have totally assigned evan's future to my future I assigned his past as my past. I think that's how we get over the hump of this orphan spirit. We recognize because God has assigned our future as his future. Forevermore, we will live with him. His history is our history. That's our family story. Remember the rock from which we are cut, it says in Isaiah, and the quarry from which we are hewn. We have come from his quarry. And knowing who he is and knowing how he's called us is a really important part of throwing the first punch.